Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the Texas spirit alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is The Beef. This is The Beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. That's why we're giving small business owners a platform to share their stories. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows, the good and the bad, and everything in between. This is The Beef Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing in partnership with Community Bank of Texas, an FDIC member and equal housing lender. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beef. I'm your host, John Kelly, a.k.a. John the Marketer on Instagram. As always, please give me a follow over there and check out what we have. Man, we've been working on some reels and TikToks lately, and it is about to get crazy with content on those platforms. So please head over there and take a look. But more importantly, joining me once again, not in the studio, is Adam Bragg. He's with Quicker and Experience Communities. He's also a part of the Draper Venture Network. He's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, and even a former professional athlete. Adam, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, John, so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. I'm telling you, every episode I say how excited I am, but this one's exciting because you're not one of those local businesses around here that I frequent, that I'm familiar with. This is all new information to me and all new information to our listeners, and I'm so excited to dive into that and find out how you're disrupting these industries and just out there leading on the forefront and how successful you are. But before we get into it, as always, we start with an icebreaker question. So today's question is, if you had a time machine, would you rather go back in time or into the future? Oh, that is a good question. I'm a history major, so I tend to go back. My my gut instinct is to go back in time just to experience and see if all of the things I've read happened as they are told in the stories and the books. But then again, you know, I'm I'm working on a couple of companies that are trying to change things in the future. And I'd love to see how those types of things play out in the future. So I'm really torn. I'll say for the for the sake of this podcast, I'll, I'll keep it future oriented. You know, I don't have any problem with saying keeping our eyes on the future. It is so important. But me, I don't know, maybe I'm just a guy that likes living in the past or something. But I think I could really turn my life around if I went back, you know, that whole red pill, blue pill thing. Like if I knew everything I knew now, I could just go back and make so many good changes. And I think part of it too comes down to that there's so much of my past that maybe I miss, you know, loved ones who have gone, those kinds of things. It's like, man, I could go back and really relish that time because people, you know, they tell you all the time, tomorrow's not promised and you got to enjoy now for now. But it's like, I guess we never really pay attention to that and know it until you've been through it. And like, man, I could go back with my knowledge now, probably be rich before I'm 33 and just be so much more successful and set myself up better. But I like your answer too. I'm excited for the way things are going here with Beefy Marketing, with my company. A lot of changes have come over the past few years for me, and I am excited for the future. So I like your answer there. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's like if you were to go back in the past, you'd lose 
all of the mastery of the storyline that you have up till now. That's and that's all marketing is, right? It's it's moving through storylines. It's having pieces of information that you've sat with over the course of you know a year, two, three, four, five years of existing as a business, and then understanding how to orient those things correctly for the for the potential customer and to the public. So I think you go back and then you realize, shoot, I lost my bearing on my storyline. Now I have to go create a whole new one. I guess that's probably one of the details that would have to be worked out ahead of time is do I lose all <laughs> yeah, of my current memory or do I get to hold on to all of that knowledge? Cause that would yeah, change my answer in a heartbeat. Yeah. For the next person, for the next person, add that caveat. Yeah, no doubt. Well, here at uh, the beef podcast, we're sponsored by community bank of Texas and they're an absolutely great sponsor for us. And I really, I sing their praises every episode and I don't want it to sound cliche when I say it or like I'm on repeat, but they know that especially now the experience and availability of a banking partner is crucial, and they're here to help your business. Their bankers have been working diligently to give clients the support that they need during these challenging economic times. As a business owner, a lot of things may keep you up at night, but your bank shouldn't be one of them. When you bank with Community Bank of Texas, you have the freedom to focus on your business commitments instead of worrying about the commitment of your banker. Community Bank of Texas is proudly committed to partnering with you and your business through it all your long-term hurdles, short-term growth, your countless new directions. Because when it comes to doing business, Community Bank of Texas simply delivers a better banking experience. And Community Bank of Texas is a foundation you can build your business on for decades to come. Community Bank of Texas is business banking, better banking, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. So thank you, Community Bank of Texas, for being a part of this podcast every single episode. But Adam, we've got you here. We want to learn all about you, all about your companies, what y'all are doing. So take the floor, man. Tell us all about you and who you are. Yeah. So I am a Southern California guy. We have one of my companies, Quicker, as a Texas-based company out in Dallas. And that is a company that's dealing with electronic health records. What we're trying to do there is change the way that doctors and patients access their health records. They Right now, it's a complicated system. Your records could exist on three different platforms if you go to three different hospitals. And if in order to get one from another clinic, they have to fax that information. And, and what we think is that the patient should carry all around those health records with them. So we're a blockchain-backed EHR system that allows the patient to have a digital wallet with all of their their health records stored with them as they walk around. So that's in healthcare. And then I have another company called Experience Communities that creates independent campuses for students who are learning online. So there's obviously online learning is, is top of mind these days. Everybody kind of has a, a student in college or a grandson or granddaughter in college, you know, a niece, nephew. It touches everybody. And what we think is that online learning is the future. It makes learning accessible, but it's not fun. When you go to college, you want to go to a college campus and make friends. And, and that's just not the same thing with online learning. But what we think is we can create a system where people learn online together in person. So we have the similar thesis or I'm approaching them kind of similarly, whether that's healthcare or education. And, and that's the projects that I'm working on. I'm excited to talk about the how I'm approaching them. Yeah. So both of these are extremely interesting topics to me. And every episode, it seems we kind of delve a little bit more into who I am. But a lot of people who listen to this podcast, I mean, I say a lot, there's a few people who listen that know who I am because I grew up with them, their family, their friends. And then there's a few people that are just 100% organic. We've reached them. They've heard some of these stories maybe through other guests and they enjoy the show. 
But with both of your companies, there's a personal part of my life that's actually, you know, could be potentially touched by that. Obviously, all of us could be by your your medical stuff, you know, because with Quicker, it's like, who doesn't want to have access to their records all the time? I mean, that's a that's a great idea. But I'm also a paramedic. So as a paramedic, I can see the differences between these things because I know how the EPCR, the Electronic Patient Care Record Reporting System, works. And I know how clunky it can be. And then I know that there's always concerns with HIPAA and all these other things that kind of get in the way and muddy the water. So that's pretty interesting to me. And then with your other company, I am an online student, a very part-time online student because I have a full-time job, a part-time job. I'm a business owner. I have three kids. I have a wife. I have a lot of things going on. So you're right. For me, online is the only way that I can go to college. I can't afford the time to go to a brick and mortar college in person, you know, so I choose to attend a brick and mortar college online. And it does. Honestly, there's no other way to say it except it sucks that I have to miss out on all of those things. Like I can't take part in uh, the activities that happen before and after classes. I don't have that dorm life. I don't have the on campus life of hanging out with those friends, you know, just a very different life I've led, especially I'm you know, I'm 33 years old. I'm not that 18, 19, 20-year-old college kid. I was too poor to go to college right out of the gate. I just, I couldn't afford it. And to be honest, I didn't want to. I didn't like it. I didn't like the idea of it. It wasn't something I was interested in, but now I see how important it is. So what exactly are you doing then on that that college side? We can start there and just, you know, what type of events and, and how does somebody get involved when they're in online school? Yeah. I mean, well, it sounds like this is going to be an exciting conversation. We can unpack both sides of that. What we're trying to do is unbundle every element of the college experience and then give it to students in ways that are digestible for them and, you know, approachable by them. So if you want the entire residential experience and and to be on an enclosed campus with, you know, a group of other students who are all learning from different institutions online, that's something that we can provide. We're also having, you know, career fairs and things that you would get on a traditional college campus. But now because you have, you're doing it online, you don't have access to all of that infrastructure. So what we're trying to do is build the physical infrastructure for the online sort of learning of the future. And you're living it right now. So you're, you're living that online learning and experiencing both the, the convenience, but also the pain points that come along with mm-hmm. it. But it's still in the early days. It's, it's really not fully developed. It's, it's sort of like the last year and a half, everybody was forced to go online almost a little bit prematurely. It's like having everybody go and, and get into a Tesla when the Roadster was out. Everybody would have had little issues that might have spelled the demise of the electric car. But, you know, give it 10 years, there are going to be massive benefits that get showcased to being able to learn online. It's a different medium. You know, it's a different medium to learning online versus in person. How do you like, what do you, what's your experience with that? Do you feel that the learning online is a bit different than in person, better, worse? Yeah, it is. That is the best way to describe it is totally different. What I like about it, what works so well for me is that especially in the current way it's done, there's kind of a mixture between instructor led and then student led, you know, so I have timelines I have to meet and it's it's usually a struggle for me to meet those those timelines just because I am so busy, but it keeps me focused on making sure that I'm actually staying focused on that class. Because if I'm not, then it's so easy for it to slip away and say, well, I'll just get to it next week. And then it's yeah. nice that you can pop into those virtual 
rooms, you know, those virtual classrooms with mm. other students, with your instructor or professor. You know, there's a lot of benefits there. And then I would say the the key negative takeaways for me are just that you kind of do lose that personal touch where you don't have those questions necessarily being asked right in front of you in a classroom setting where you go, man, I didn't think about that, but Josie over here did. And I'm glad she asked that question because now, you know, that answered uh, something for me. Like there's a few things you miss out on it, but I would say the the biggest opportunities I miss out on really is the network and that, that college campus life of just having those friends nearby versus out here. Yeah. Business. yeah. You say it's like the, it's not about the, the grade you make. It's about the hand you shake. You know, it's, it's sort of like the network is such an important bit of going to school and learning because it's not just learning the material. It's learning how to deal with other people and then also learning how, how to network and use the, the uh, connections that you have and leverage those into getting new opportunities in life. And a lot of students who are, are forced, you know, at 18 even to go to an online route because it's more affordable and accessible to them. They're necessarily giving all of that stuff stuff up. And I don't necessarily, I don't think that that should be the case. You know, I think that if you, you can, you can still have the opportunity to go and and visit an in-person type of campus or stay a week there or a month there, take it piecemeal and get everything you can out of the college experience in the time that you have it. Absolutely. So how did you, how did you think about this as a problem that needed to be solved? Is this your baby or was this kind of a collaboration? Yeah. So I founded this with uh, two other people. We were actually, we were college schoolmates. So we ran track together and naturally had been talking about our college experience and what really was special about it. And a lot of it had to do with the, the, the community, the tight knit community that we had on our, on our track team. There's about 150 people on the men and women on the track team at our school. And it's sort of like, it seemed like a sweet spot number where you knew everybody, everybody kind of knew each other. And after school, we all went to go do our own things. I started doing some work in education. And when the pandemic hit, we were kind of looking at everybody going online immediately, having different, I guess, different relationships with their new, their new digital first lives and people who are working from home kind of enjoyed it at first because they could spend a bit more time with their family. They could work remotely. But for college students that moved to remote learning was like being pulled away from their support network. And so you had a lot of pushback. So you saw a lot of students who were really not liking it. And it made us question, you know, what is it that college students really value? Is it is it 90% of the education, 10% of the of the experience or is it more so that they're enjoying the experience and the educational components are compliments and like you can learn anything online for free right now like i don't know how much time do you spend on youtube learning because i spend a ton absolutely and and i don't know if you remember before it was linkedin learning it was linda if you ever heard of lynda.com but that was a huge website that i took advantage of i've always been that type of person where it was like I don't want to say I devalue a college education because I think there is value there, but I think we put way too much value on just the education aspect because man, in my field, for instance, in fire and EMS, I will take a guy with no degree that's got 20 years on the job that's constantly learning every day on my fire truck before I will that kid that's fresh out of all of their classes getting ready for this because maybe they learned all that awesome stuff. But it's not what you learn in the book. It's how you do in the streets. You Mm -hmm. know, that's the big thing. And I think that's the same way in life. I mean, our CEO here at Beefy Marketing has a bachelor's degree in music production and recording. Like 
that that was his passion was music. The first business he opened up was a recording studio. And then he just figured out all of a sudden through this mutual connection, it was like, oh, my husband's a Navy SEAL and we need to create a t-shirt. Can you do it? And then it was like, well, yeah, I can do it. I know how to market myself. I know how to market other artists and everything else. So why can't I just do you know, graphic design and then graphic design turned into websites and then turned into SEO and all of these things. And it was like, man, we've learned so much, not self-taught because like you said, it's YouTube, it's Linda, it's LinkedIn. It's all these different avenues that you have and, and just friends in the industry. You learn so much through them and them with experience sometimes I think can equal better than an education, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, but like the, the landscape as it currently exists, you have these colleges that are, I think the, some of the best marketers in the game, you know, the college, big education, they've been kind of able to ingrain themselves into the, the American ideal, you know, the, you, you graduated at 18 and in order to make it into the next step of life, you need to go to college. You need to go to get your college degree. And I think that should be rephrased. It's like, you need to go get educated. However you go get educated, you need to learn more. And that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. And so what we're trying to do is break down, you know, what are the elements that were important? I think there's a, a trifecta value proposition from colleges. You have the education, the experience, and then the credential. And the credential is that piece of paper that you wave around and say, I'm, I'm valuable here. But it's supposed to mean that you got both the education and the experience. And if you can get the education online and you can get it at a, at a high quality online through things like Lindo or Coursera or YouTube, the only other thing that's missing is that I can go and meet new people. I know how to interact. I have these soft skills. And the, what we're trying to do is make that route exciting for students and possibly marketed better than colleges can. Because right now the, the lay of the land is that colleges are so good at marketing. They, they can capture student imagination. But then I think you're starting to see once students go to college, they're realizing, you know, they're realizing what the actual situation is. And that's why dropout rates are getting really high because they're like, I, I don't want to continue paying this high, high price tag for what it is you sold me. Yeah, no, I, and I feel that pain. I mean, I've I've been going to school about half time for about six years now, working on a bachelor's in business, and that's where I'm at now. Is it's like you know what? It's so expensive that I got an email from my financial aid office saying, "Hey, uh, we can get you like a thousand bucks this semester, but that's it." And these are loans, mm. just loans that I'm going to have to pay back. And they're saying we can't really give you any more because you're spending, you've spent so much, you've gotten to that limit. And like, because I went to a decent university here in Texas that's private, you know, I didn't go the community college route, which I should have. But honestly, it was really only a traditional option there when I was looking into starting up with my college stuff. It wasn't really a huge online presence like there is now. If I'd have started school now, it'd have been much different. And I think that having that education is important. You know, I do want it just because all the time while we're here in the offices, those marketing classes I've taken, I'm like, man, did you know that Beanie Babies was like a marketing genius that started businesses getting on the websites, you know, on two websites and, and the internet? And they're like, why are we talking about Beanie Babies? And I'm like, well, I just learned it in my class, you know, so I got to bring it up here. <laughs> so there's definitely some education and information there that's really important once you go to college, but I don't think it's something that's that necessary first step. And I do know that obviously it doesn't always have to be. There's internships, there's, you know, jobs that you can take that are lower on the totem pole. But a lot of times those will make a lot less money 
then mm. if you come out with that that certificate or that diploma saying, hey, you know what, I graduated from college. So I think that, you know, we've got some work to do there, but if we can lower that money that you need mm-hmm. to go to college and then switch it to an online platform where they're not spending so much on their brick and mortar campus, I think that'll definitely help out. And yeah. uh, we're, we're going to need something like what you're doing because, again, as you said, man, if you don't know how to get out there with those social skills, that was the hardest part for my kids not going to school. It, they did fine online. We weren't worried about their grades. The hardest part was they were lacking that social interaction. And my kids are, you know, that's why I'm so perfect for marketing. I love talking to people. <laughs> I could tell you my whole life story right now in front of this camera with ease. My wife would cringe at this entire thing. <laughs> but my kids have to be social. They are like me. They feed off of other people. So yeah, I think what yeah, you're doing no, is important. This is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it is so important. And, you know, the, the money piece is, I think, you know, that's that's the bottom line. And there's a, a trillion and a half dollars of student debt right now, which is, I mean, it's insane. And it's not going down anytime yeah. soon. They're going to be charging. The price of college is is going up year over year like crazy. It's like a quarter million dollars right now to go to some some top school. And it's like they're, uh, the, the bank is willing to loan that to an 18-year-old and the 18-year-old is willing to say, all right, it's worth it. Or, I think it's worth it. Sight unseen. Let me go. Yeah, I've been told that it's worth it. Right. But it really is about like getting the 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 value of that education across, getting getting the learning components across to those students in ways that are accessible and don't strap them for life with student debt. And uh, if you can do that and then couple it with, with that in-person experience, that's kind of what we're going for. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm finding a fellow you know, fan <laughs> of the online learning future. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy how everything happens for a reason. And these two companies are just something that resonates with me. So with Quicker, you know, obviously, I think that there's obviously a, a way for you to sell that just right there in the name, quicker. If I have access to my records, that's going to be quicker, right? So what is your main pitch there? You know, what is what is it you're trying to do and how is it so disruptive? Yeah, I think, you know, fundamentally, your your health story is your life story. You know, you carry things around with you. You might you have a scar or something like that on your arm and that has that has corresponding medical records to it, but you're just carrying it around with you and not really acknowledging it. But, you know, there's that disconnect between the clinical information that of of the records that you have and then, you know, your your physical person that all of this stuff has happened through. And so we're trying to bring those two things together. You should have all of the clinical information, your records with you at all times. That way it is quicker for you to acknowledge those things. Maybe you can get quicker recommendations on health records or health uh, decisions that you make. I mean, WebMD is like one of the most searched websites in the world and people are just kind of shooting in the dark. But, you know, what does it look like to have to be informed by the entirety of your medical history? And not only just you as a patient, but what does it look like? What does care look like when a doctor can approach you with a, a complete understanding of what you've been through and like a a quick one minute synopsis of, Hey, let me get very particular to you. Let me get personalized to you as a patient so that I can treat you better so that I can give you personalized care. And right now that can't exist because of all these siloed, you know, information systems. And if we can just crack that open and we can 
pull all of the information behind the individuals, I think the entire system changes. You, as the patient, have more enjoyable experiences with healthcare because the people on the other side are actually talking to you rather than learning learning about you and your history and and treating you all within the course of that you know 10, 10 to 15 minute appointment you have with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at what what HIPAA does. You know, why does HIPAA exist? It exists to kind of whoever has access to that record, whoever's created that record or owns that record, if you will, on your behalf, they have to protect it with everything that they have. So that's, you know, silos. I think that's a very good analogy for it is that's what they do. They create those walls around that information and say, this is for us and us only. And for you to let us release it to someone else, you have to, you know, sign this document. And oftentimes we probably we probably read into HIPAA more than what it actually is and do mm-hmm. above and beyond because we're so scared of those huge fines. And so I like that where you have control. Yeah, the fines and, and the fines is the big piece. I think a lot of them are, uh, they're run, they're operating in, out of fear a bit as they should. I mean, this is sensitive information that Very people much are so. dealing with, but I think that the systems as they work, I don't, they're not as secure as people are thinking them to be. You know, I think it's like over the last eight years, 90% of health records have been exposed in data breaches. And, you know, it's it's as secure as HIPAA is supposed to be, you know, they just get fined. I mean, like you have a data exposure and people just get fined and they move on. And I think that if you can get a system in place where no one person is in charge of your medical records, it is you and it's secured by the blockchain and, and you have all of that information that you can then give permissions to access from, it changes the whole game. It, it changes everything. So is the idea behind this just to be like a software or an app or, you know, what? how would we access that? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a software platform app. It'll be kind of the the three of those. It's where your, your medical records live, but they live on your digital wallet and doctors will be able to access the information that comes out of there, whether that's individual records or uh, aggregated pieces of information that's provided to them in well-organized ways. And then you have the ability to share your entire file. So say you're taking care of somebody else or you're you're in charge of somebody else's um, you know, healthcare, you can be the, the steward of their medical records as well. You can make sure they're continually organized and make sure that if you know you don't have to lug around a bunch of files with you and disks and things like that, you have access to all of their information that you can share digitally. That's the biggest thing I would say that I face as a paramedic. I used to be on the ambulance, you know, for 24 or 48 hour shifts. Now I'm on a fire truck. And that was one of the biggest things that we would come across with these patients is like, sometimes they don't really understand why they do everything they do. My wife and I, you know, I, I told um, your PR company on the way here today. That's why I was running a few minutes late. We we're at a doctor's appointment with my son. And my wife was like, you know, I guess I should have asked why, but the doctor never explained why I needed an allergy appointment for our son. You know, I just, the doctor said, go to the allergist. And I said, okay, let's go, you know, and, and nothing wrong with that. I'm not mad at her for it. I get it because we trust these doctors so much. But we need to understand every single part of our healthcare, why we're making those decisions and why we're taking these medications. And so often we get in that house and we say, okay, what is your medical history? And they're like, well, uh, I don't really have any. Well, what are your problems? Oh, I don't really have any. Well, what medications do you take? I don't know. I take this, you know, metoprolol one and this other one. And I'm like, so you have high blood pressure. Well, no, not now that I take my medicine. I'm like, <laughs> all right, you're trying your best, but I just yeah. need to see your records. You know, and so we will say that like, hey, can you just give me your medications or a medication list? And then what do they do? They bust out a big bag of meds 
And then I've got every lunky medication bottle there. And so we tell people all the time, like, write it down, you know, put it in a Ziploc bag in your freezer. If there's a fire or an emergency, we'll be able to access that information. If you're unconscious, we'll think to go to the freezer and grab that. But what better way, you know, I just start spurring ideas automatically of like a device that they can wear you know, with NFC technology where I could take my tablet that I have on the ambulance and scan that. And now I've got secure access to their records. And I I can't do that from my cell phone as just a lay person. But when I've got that tablet, that's a medical tablet, I can use that and get their info. I love this idea. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, right now, everybody has has the right to their medical information. There are a ton of roadblocks in front of them to get it. You know, some some doctors are charging to get their medical records released to them. That's kind of on the extreme end of the spectrum. But everybody has the right to to, to aggregate all of their information. It's just a burden right now because a lot of people don't even know where to look. And so part of what Quicker does is, is take that uh, the stress away from them in the aggregation process. And then, yeah, it unlocks the ability to have you know, emergency response people to come along and access information that they'd be without if they didn't go out of their way to put it in the plastic, in the Ziploc bag and into the freezer. A lot of them, how do you treat somebody who's unconscious? How do you, how do you ask them about their medical history? It's, it's a really difficult situation today. And I think that this unlocks it. I think that the availability of health information, the transparency, all of that unlocks this next generation of care that I think ultimately is going to benefit the patient. And you said a couple of interesting things as you walked through that. It was the, you know, trust comes from not blind faith, but trust comes from knowing. And I think that knowing it's a different thing from a patient to trust their medical provider just because they know that the record's there somewhere. And, a, and another thing entirely for them to know exactly how to access their information, where it all is in an easily digestible way, because then they actually have faith in the system and they, they can trust that you on the other side who's providing care actually care about them and are caring for them specifically. Yeah, no, I can't believe this didn't happen a long time ago. You know, with the, the advances of technology, with yeah. NFC, with the secure servers that we've built, with all these different ways to access information these days. I mean, we've had digital wallets on our cell phones for how many years now where I can just, you know, scan with my fingerprint and then boom, there's my card. Now I can pay you. Why can't I scan with my fingerprint and bring up here's my medical history and here's my medication list and here's all of these things. It's crazy that it's taken this long, but I think it's because we have protected that information for so long that it was like, no, we don't want to share it. You bring up a good point because like your banking information and your medical information are two of the most sensitive pieces of info you have. And some would even say that I care about my banking information more (laughs) than I do my health records. I don't want somebody accessing my bank, but you can do it all from your phone. You know, you can scan your face and get access to all of your accounts. Why can't it be done in the healthcare industry? And that's kind of what we're we're, uh, tackling. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of people who are profiting off of the way that it is now. I think that a lot of these big systems are in place and they don't want to see, you know, their place be given up. But we're trying to wrap around all of them so that everybody has a place. You know, you are really good at documenting medical records, Epic. Now let's just unlock that for your patient to be able to to move freely about the country. Right. Yeah. No, I like that slogan. So what can we do? You know, people like me who are interested in these projects and would probably be a big supporter. How can I support this? And what do y'all need from us as potential customers? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that the engagement is uh, really key here, spreading the word. I mean, uh, both of these both of these companies are really mission driven. So it's trying to find the people who believe in what we're trying to do, you know, people who believe in, on the education front that education should be unlocked and that you should be able to learn in these new pathways and also get the benefit of what you can do, you know, on campus. So they can go and go to our website, follow us on social medias, input their, you know, email information and we can stay in touch with them. On the quicker side, it, it really is we're we're going to be launching our MVP soon. So people will have that app to be able to access their information. Doctors will be able to drag and drop their imaging instead of doing it down onto a, a CD. So we'll have that launching soon over the coming months. And if they want to join us, quicker.health, that's where uh, our website is. You can then put your, your email information, but really it's just getting involved. I think that we're in a world now where personalization and feeling like your voice is heard is so important. And so if you do resonate with some of these missions, join in, join the conversation, add voice to it. Uh, you are you are who we're building it for. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, that's it's something where, you know, I would like to be an early adopter of that and start using that because I do, I love those, you know, certain healthcare providers and then certain insurance providers have where you can access your medical records online right now. But like you said, it's very, it's, it's all depending on where you're going and what you're looking at. So it's like with my general practitioner, I can look at all the records he has through his portal that he has with, with his company. And then my insurance company, I can look at certain things, but it's not all of it. You know, it, it's just it's just a piece that I use through them. It's not my GP putting all that info in there. So I think that it is definitely lacking as far as just being able to access everything in one and then organize it because it's all just going to be in there as it happened. So I can see over the past few years what I've done. But if I was trying to look for something from 20 years ago, it might be a little harder to find. Yeah. One thing that we're kind of, we got, well, the first point is that what, what if that information on one side helps you, you know, helps you if you know, if you connect it with the information, you know, in that other silo and because they're, they're just two different silos, they can't even give you the benefit of having both. And then on the app side, what we're playing around with on the, the marketing front for patients is how do we visualize that information for you? How do we make it seem like you are actually, you have lived this in the real world? We're doing different, you know, feed lines. So you can have you organized by timeline, uh, but we're also kind of going to add this option of this, this avatar option where you have something that you, you've created that kind of looks like you on the other end. And you can scroll through the health events, you know, if a, 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 an expecting mother wants to watch all of wants to have like see her avatar or baby bump grow over nine months and then zoom in and see the ultrasound and then go through and see all of the different records along the way. We think that's a really cool way of engaging patients. And also the organization is going to be really key for, for doctors and any providers so that they can just quickly and easily see you. No, that's awesome. That's all that interactivity. You know, we see that with things where if you can turn it more into like a game or something of that sort where it's cool to see those changes, even though it's something serious like medical records. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Why wouldn't somebody want to see that baby bump if they were pregnant? Or for me, I'm on a weight loss journey. So I'm 35 pounds down. You know, my heaviest was 292 and I'm sitting 255 to 260 right now. And I want to see my avatar go from a big guy to, you know, a more fit guy. And like, those are just little cool incentives for me is like, all right, cool. How can I make this avatar change? You know, 
Yeah. And what are the, and then alongside it, what do those vitals look like along the way? You know, oh, you man. Watch and you can see things change and update. You know, I think there's a, there's a really cool opportunity to connect your clinical data with you and, and you, the journey you're actually on. As a paramedic, I've always been interested in clinical data because it's just what we do. But I, I've definitely noticed that myself, you know, like I said, I was close to 300 at my heaviest at one point. And then the first time I lost weight, cause I like to yo-yo, you know, just go right back up and down. First time I lost weight, I got down to 240 and I had noticed at night with my watch that my resting heart rate had gone from 80s and 90s at almost 300 pounds down to 40s and 50s at 240. And it's because I was so athletic at the time. I was going through fire school. I was working out every day at Pearland PD's gym, you know, the gym inside the police department. And so we were just, I mean, I was at the top of my game, even at 240 pounds, I was not a a fat 240. I was an athletic 240. So I was actually slimmer and feeling good. And you could see it in my vital signs. You're absolutely right. I'd love to see how the blood pressure trends and the pulse rate trends and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I know for me as an athlete, when I was going through, I would have loved to have a central place where I could have all of my physios and everybody contribute the, the information that they had so that I could carry it around with me. So that when I saw a new specialist, uh, you know, on my travels as an athlete, it would very easily, they'd be able to connect to it. A hundred percent. So if you don't mind, man, I mean, I know we've been talking for a little bit here and it's all been kind of business. Tell us about that, that athlete stuff you used to do. You know, I, I think it was football or something that I had read. Pole vaulting. Pole vaulting. So it was Olympic. That's right. Cause you had, you had gone or almost gone to the U S Olympics. Is that right? Yeah. So I graduated school, college in 2016 and, and went to the Olympic trials that year. It was really close to making it down to Rio. Pole vaulting is a game of centimeters, especially even, even though you're jumping over, you know, 18, 19 feet, it's still a game of centimeters when you come down to the last little bit. So I didn't quite make it. I trained for the next four years down at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista and learned a ton, learned a ton on that journey. I think that pole vaulting, it's an individual sport and it's such a I mean, it's a fear-based event. Have you seen pole vaulting at all? <laughs> I, I have. I'm somewhat a fan of the Olympics. Just depends on what exact game we're talking about. But yeah, pole vaulting has always blown my mind. It's a. I mean, it's an exciting one. It's like a Cirque du Soleil event, you know, and uh, it, it takes a combination of a, a few different things, speed, strength, coordination, but also it takes a different mindset. I think you have to be a little crazy to do pole vaulting to to kind of run up there with like a, a 17 foot long pole and and say yeah, this thing's going to bend and throw me in the right direction <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a you have to get over this little bit of fear in your head and do it over and over and over again and like on a daily basis and that the trend i guess that translates a ton into my life as an entrepreneur as a business owner I have, you know, every day you're coming across little challenges and it's just kind of how can you keep your confidence through them and your confidence in your vision of what you're trying to do? Oh, man. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. It doesn't always have to be uh, relying on a 17 foot pole to throw you in the air either. It's just those little things sometimes add up and they they can be big things, you know, and every single day as a business owner. There's things we run into that we're just like, oh, my God, how are we going to get through this right now? Please, please, please let this work out. And then it does. And you're like, 
huh, all right, let me prepare to never have that happen again in the future, you know? Yeah, and it's, and, and in the pole vault, you, it was an individual thing. Now, as a business owner, yeah. you, these things affect the people that, you, that you've hired, you know? This is, yeah, the stakes are a little higher, I would say, you know, you have people's, you have other people's lives depending on you and your, and, and what you're going to do, the decisions that you make. So I think it's keeping the confidence through all that stuff is, is super important. Heck yeah. So did you grow up in SoCal? Is that, that's I where did, you're from? Yeah, I okay. grew up in, in Southern California until I was 18. Then I went up to the Northeast and went to school and experienced the cold for the first time. <laughs> I visited, we visited actually South Central LA. We were like right there. We were just on, I guess, probably the the North side of it, like barely, but we were kind of like downtown LA really. And we were there for a conference. My wife and my fire captain's wife were at a conference. So we just had all day to screw around in Los Angeles and I rode, uh, I rode a scooter through Skid Row. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. That's when we showed up at the fire station to tour it. That's the fire captain's reaction. He's like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? And we're like, we we're trying to find the fire station. I don't know. But man, just a great group of people. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of Houston. You have everything from politically the right to the left, from religious, you have super religious to non-religious. Like it's just, there's such a mixture of people, every race, every, every background, every, just everything, man. It's a mix of people. And it was like, you can find whatever you want to find in LA, whatever you're cool with, you can find it. And it's acceptable Mm. there. You know, you may get a little more judgment in Houston still on some of the things that I saw happen in LA where it's like, no, no, it's free. You can do whatever you want, (laughs) you know, right on the beach if you want to, it doesn't matter. But we went to a lot of the hot spots, honestly. Coolest thing I got to do was ride along with LAPD Air Division. Oh, okay. So I got to go up in a helicopter, watch two police chases live, oh, one man. of which was televised nationwide. The RV where the lady threw her dog out the RV that was being oh, chased. Oh, yeah. After the fact, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was super interesting. All on my birthday. It was a lot of fun. But uh, I like visiting there. I don't know, man. Texas is pretty awesome. Y'all got your boots yeah. on. You need to come visit. We'll give you yep. a beefy welcome and show you all around. I appreciate it. No, well, Quicker is based in in, in, in Texas, Dallas. so yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very much intending to be to be spending a good amount of time in Texas. I have deep LA roots. My dad's from LA. My uncle was in the LAPD, so you know deep LA roots. I'm I grew up in Orange County, and now I'm currently based in San Diego, which is not a bad lifestyle. It's sunny every day and right and nice breezes. So I, I but everything's virtually, you know, everything's virtual. It is. Days. I think you can zoom into a podcast and have a great conversation, step outside into the surf or something. You know? We went pre-COVID. So it was nice. Um, I love how every morning it's cool. You could almost have on like a sweatshirt. And then by the afternoon, it's warm. You could jump in the water. The pier was so beautiful, both at night in the helicopter and during the day when we went and toured it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a great place to visit, but Texas is like you, this is my home. I love it here. Yeah. So hopefully you come down, even I, I still call Dallas, you know, there are Yankees up there. I love them. I like to visit, but sometimes Dallas just seems like a totally different part of Texas. This was so great about it. You know, just like California, SoCal mm-hmm. and Northern California are so different. It's yeah, not so, the same. So different for sure. I'm sure that you guys are going to be hosting some international guests though there in the, the Beef Podcast pretty soon here. So you're going to be traveling all around and expanding beyond Texas. So I'm I'm excited next time I'm in Texas to come in and, and check it out. Absolutely. No, it's exciting. We we want everybody to be a part and tell everybody's story. Uh, this is what I like hearing. It's just not only what your companies are doing, but why. Why are you so interested in it? You know, what took you to it? And then to be able to connect, it was just a great time, man. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. 
Yeah. Thank you for having me. I feel like this was a really great conversation. Hopefully we can have another one sometime soon. Yes, sir. Well, listeners, we appreciate y'all tuning in every single Thursday for another episode. As always, we will link down below in the show notes, all of the places where you can find quicker, you can find uh, Adam's LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever he's at on social media, please make sure you click those links, support those pages. And let's just get the word out there. I mean, these companies need help as well. Just because they have investors backing them doesn't mean they don't need our help and our support. I'll definitely be a part of that. So thank you all for tuning in every single Thursday to the Beef Podcast. And once again, Adam, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thanks so much, John. You've been listening to the Beef Podcast, sponsored by Community Bank of Texas, an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more small business stories, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. To share your story, visit us at beefymarketing.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to the Beef Podcast.